Good morning, ladies and gentlemen. I'm going to share something with you this morning that I just thought of while I was sitting back here in the back. It's from Psalms 122, verse 1, and it's probably one of my favorite verses. It goes like this. I was glad when they said to me, let us go into the house of the Lord. I love that verse because every time I... Someone invites me to church or they ask me how I'm doing or what's going on in life. It's They're interested in me, and this is what we do here at Heights. So those of you who don't know me, I'm Pastor John Sonkrant. Welcome to Heights Christian Church. So as we know, we're going through the Bible in five years, and we are nearing the, year of, uh, the end of year one or year six if you've been here since the first time we went through. And it's a beautiful thing. For those uh, who were here for the entirety, this is your second time around. The importance of this, the going through the Bible, the entire Bible as a congregation, is that no verse of Scripture is left out. No book is ignored, and no portion of any book is ignored. I heard a pastor once start a sermon, and he was preaching over the first few chapters of Revelation. And he stated, this is as far as I'm going to go. Because the rest of it seems to be a source of contention among Christians. What was he afraid of? I assume that this contention is over the great tribulation. And whether or not we as believers will be here for any part of it at all. Or if we will miss it in its entirety. God has given us a mind to think. He has given us knowledge. Intelligence. And I think that if we go through something like that. God will reveal to each and every one of us. What his word says to us. And there's no need to be afraid of any scripture. Because all of it. As we believe here, is inspired by God. It is His Word. It is 100% accurate. It is 100% truth. We should not ignore any part of it. So that's why here at Heights, we go through the entire Bible. There's no luxury of skipping pieces of it that we don't feel comfortable with. Now, if you don't believe me, go back through our archives. Take a listen. Sometime in 2021, I think it was October, Jeremy was out sick, Mark was down in Texas, and a newly ordained single celibate pastor got the joy of preaching over the Song of Solomon. God calls us to do things we don't want to do, and if you don't believe it, just ask Jonah. But the beautiful part about going through the scripture in five years is that we know what we're going to read. We as pastors know the portion which we get to pull our sermon from. And it is not a surprise to God what we are going to preach over. Suffice it to say that having to read through the Bible helps us to gain a larger understanding of the character of God. And that his plans for our lives do not center around our wants and desires. 
My original goal when I left New Mexico was to go to Missouri. I ended up in Tennessee about 18 miles from family. Over the last several years, when I told God I would go where he led me, he's brought me to two places I did not want to be, but two places I needed to be. One was here in New Mexico. The other one is in Tennessee with family. We don't always get what we're looking for, but when we follow God, we get what we need, whether we know it or not. How many of you got the chance to read through last week's readings? I hope I did. I think I did. Uh, If you were able to, to follow along in the videos. If you're new here, we have videos of daily readings. We do one a day for six days, and that's Monday through Saturday over that day's reading, and we have a small devotional. And then on Sunday, our sermon will be over what we studied during the week. So these chapters are interesting. Deuteronomy 31 through 34 is what I was tasked with doing because there's many changes that happen in there. This was a leadership of Israel went from Moses to Joshua. And the Lord told Moses about the upcoming rebellious nature attitude of the Jewish people that they would have towards him, towards God. Moses writes a song. Then he blesses 11 of the 12 tribes of Israel. I counted that numerous times to make sure I got it right. That's what he did. Moses goes up to Mount Nebo to die. And there you have the summary of the final four chapters of the book of Deuteronomy. So let's begin with the change of leadership in Israel. Now, God is always our leader, but he had appointed Moses as the leader, and Moses trained up Joshua for decades to replace him. So let's read about that in Deuteronomy chapter 31, verses 1 through 8. Then Moses went and spoke these words to all Israel, and he said to them, I am 120 years old today. I can no longer go out and come in. Also, the Lord has said to me, you shall not cross over this Jordan. The Lord your God himself crosses over before you. He will destroy these nations from before you, and you shall dispossess them. Joshua himself crosses over before you, just as the Lord has said. And the Lord would do to them as he did to Sihon and Og, the kings of the Amorites, and their land when he destroyed them. The Lord will give them over to you. That you may do to them according to every commandment which I have commanded you. Be strong and of good courage. Do not fear nor be afraid of them. For the Lord your God, he is the one who goes before you. He will not leave you nor forsake you. Then Moses called Joshua and said to him in sight of all Israel, Be strong and of good courage, for you must go with this people to the land which the Lord has sworn to their fathers to give them. And you shall cause them to inherit it. And the Lord, he is the one who goes before you. He will be with you. He will not leave you nor forsake you. Do not fear nor be dismayed. Dismayed just simply means discouraged. Okay. So having a change in leadership can be scary. Because each person has their own way of leading. There's a hesitancy in giving the full support To a leader with unknown or unfamiliar character, however, Joshua was different. 
Let's skip down to verses 14 and 15 in chapter 31 of Deuteronomy. Then the Lord said to Moses, Behold, the days approach when you must die. Call Joshua and present yourselves in a tabernacle of meeting, that I may inaugurate him. So Moses and Joshua went and presented themselves in a tabernacle of meeting. Now the Lord appeared at the tabernacle in a pillar of cloud, and the pillar of cloud stood above the door of the tabernacle. Now skip down to verse 23 if you're following along. Then he inaugurated Joshua the son of Nun and said, Be strong and of good courage, for you shall bring the children of Israel into the land which I swore to you, swore to them, and I will be with you. Joshua was ordained by God himself. He was handpicked and ordained and inaugurated by God. That should give anybody the courage to stand behind their leader. It should give the new leader a great amount of confidence. And it does. As we see in Deuteronomy 34, verse 9, when we see this, Now Joshua, the son of Nun, was full of spirit, the spirit of wisdom. For Moses had laid his hands on him. So the children of Israel heeded him and did as the Lord had commanded them. Now the first five books of the Bible are called the Pentateuch. And Moses is attributed to writing them. And who wrote chapter 34? That's Moses' obituary. We have no idea specifically. I know when my father died, he helped me write his obituary. But there are things in here that lead me to believe someone else wrote them and laid it on later. However, Moses knew he was going to die. So let's look in chapter 32 where God reveals to Moses that he was going to die on Mount Nebo. This is chapter 32 verses 48 through 52. Then the Lord spoke to Moses that very same day saying, Go up this mountain of the Abram. Mount Nebo, which is in the land of Moab, across from Jericho, view the land of Canaan, which I give to the children of Israel as a possession, and die on the mountain which you ascend, and be gathered to your people, just as Aaron your brother died on Mount Or, and was gathered to his people. Because you trespassed against me among the children of Israel at the waters of Meribah Kadesh, in the wilderness of Zin, because you did not hallow me in the midst of the children of Israel." Yet you shall see the land before you, though you shall not go there, into the land which I am giving to the children of Israel. God tells Moses that he'll get to see the promised land. And that is a beautiful thing. We may not always get to go where we want to go, but we get to go where we need to go. In chapter 34 of Deuteronomy, it records what all Moses could see as being the land of Israel. So we'll start in Deuteronomy 34, verses 1 through 8. Then Moses went up from the plains of Moab to Mount Nebo, to the top of Pisgah, which is across from Jericho. And the Lord showed him all the land of Gilead, as far as Dan, all Naphtali, and the land of Ephraim, and Manasseh. All the land of Judah as far as the western sea, to the south of the plains of the valley of Jericho, the city of palm trees as far as Zoar, 
Then the Lord said to him, This is the land which I swore to give Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, saying, I will give it to your descendants. I have caused you to see it with your eyes, but you shall not cross over there. So Moses, the servant of the Lord, died there in the land of Moab, according to the word of the Lord. And he, this is God, buried him in the valley of the land of Moab, opposite of Beth Peor. But no one knows his grave to this day. Moses was 120 years old when he died. His eyes were not dim, nor his natural vigor diminished. And the children of Israel wept for Moses in the plains of Moab 30 days. So the 30 days of weeping and mourning for Moses had ended. Now this is a very detailed description of what Moses was shown before his death. The very same land that's being fought in today. Let's go to Joshua chapter 1, verses 1 through 7. This will all make sense eventually. And after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass that the Lord spoke to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, saying, Moses, my servant is dead. Now therefore arise, go over this Jordan, you and all the people. To the land which I am giving to them, the children of Israel. Every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given to you, as I said to Moses, from the wilderness and this Lebanon, as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites, and to the great sea toward the going down of the sun shall be your territory. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. But I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you nor forsake you. Be strong and of good courage. For to this people you shall divide as an inheritance the land which I swore to their fathers to give them. Only be strong and very courageous that you may observe to do according to all the law which Moses my servant commanded you. Do not turn from the right, turn it to the right hand or the left, that you may prosper wherever you go. On October 7th, 2023, Israel was attacked by Hamas terrorists by land, air, and sea, an unprecedented attack that has since left thousands of dead on both sides of this war. I won't get into the politics of it all because it's not important for the lesson that I have today. These attacks instill fear in the people and innocent bystanders on both sides. Even before these attacks, people would ask me, is Jesus coming back soon? Since these attacks, they ask more what my thoughts are with the advent of war. Do you want to know my response? I can tell you now that I'm finished with my introduction. Fear not. That is the title of this sermon. You've heard it said several times in scripture already. To fear not. To be courageous. Let's reread Deuteronomy chapter 31 verses 6 through 8. As we see that. Be strong and of good courage. Do not fear nor be afraid of them. For the Lord your God. He is the one who goes before you. He will not leave you nor forsake you. Then Moses called Joshua and said to him and all the side of Israel, 
Be strong and of good courage, for you must go with this people to the land which the Lord has sworn to their fathers to give them, and you shall cause them to inherit it. And the Lord, he is the one who goes before you. He will be with you. He will not leave you nor forsake you. Do not fear nor be dismayed. Fear not. Don't be afraid of what is to come, because God is always with us. Our Father knows what is coming ahead in our lives. And He guides us and His words tell us to trust Him and to not be afraid. He tells us not to be anxious. Anxiety stems from fear. It's fear of the unknown or fear of reliving a traumatic event. I remember 20 years ago, and this was last Monday... 20 years since my amputation. I remember when I was told that I was going to lose my leg and the counselor and the chaplain came into my hospital room. They were worried about my emotional well-being. It is a traumatic thing to lose a limb. The doctor had already told me I was going to lose it. And I told them. I said I had a conversation with God. And he was all right with it. Who am I to argue? Whatever he has for me in the future does not require two real legs. But I can tell you this. It has opened doors up for me that would never have been there if I had had both legs. It has opened people up to be willing to listen to the word of God. When I tell them about the love of Jesus Christ. Because I have gone through what they are currently going through. I was never anxious about losing my leg because I knew what God's word said. See what it says in Joshua 1 verse 9. God says this to Joshua, have I not commanded you? Be strong and of good courage. Do not be afraid nor be dismayed for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. People can be afraid for all kinds of reasons. I know several people who are afraid of being married. So they date for years and years and so on and so forth. And they never make that first step. That's not me, ladies and gentlemen. I never get to the dating stage, okay? That's the part I'm afraid of, to start it. So let's move on. God's word has something to say to them. He has something to say to me, too, about this. This is in Isaiah 41, verse 10. Sounds familiar? Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. Yes, I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. You keep the Father as the center of your marriage and in all your relationships. Go to him in all things, regardless of how great or how small they are. And God will strengthen you, and as he does, he will strengthen your marriage. He will strengthen your relationships. He even says he will help you. And that's to help you understand what you need to do. Of course, this verse is taken completely out of context, as it does not discuss marriage and relationships in it. However, it shows the character of God and his faithfulness to those he calls his own. We are not called to be we are called not to be afraid, but sometimes we are anyway. And it's during those times that we need to pray and seek the counsel of God. 
We have people here who stand up against the abortion industry. And I want them to hear this. When you go out there, the Lord your God has called, has already gotten to whoever you need to talk to. Have you ever tried to witness to someone as a Gideon or just as a believer and you go to talk to someone and they're like, they want to spit in your face, they get angry with you. But there's always that one that's interested. Always that one who, like Saul before he became Paul, was kicking against the goads because he didn't want to believe. And yet he came to Christ because the heart had been prepared to listen to the message that you have for them. Fear not when it comes to talking to someone about the Lord Jesus Christ because he goes before you and he prepares their hearts to listen to what you have to say. Don't be afraid of that. There are those who will seek to destroy us, who want to damage us or our character and reputation, but do not let them win. Do not be afraid of that. Go forward in what God has you to do and fear not. And we're told this in Deuteronomy chapter 32, 35 and 36. Do not seek vengeance against people. Vengeance is mine in recompense. Their foot shall slip in due time for their day of calamity is at hand. And the things to come hasten upon them. For the Lord will judge his people And have compassion on his servants. When he sees that their power is gone and there is no one remaining bond or free. Recompense is to receive a payment for a loss. They will pay. Do you pray for them to pay or do you pray for them to come to know Jesus Christ? Because I'd much rather see someone like Saul become Paul after killing so many Christians Enter the gates of heaven after doing so much for the kingdom. It's truly a difficult thing sometimes to let God deal with the evil people. In his 1933 inaugural address, Franklin Roosevelt said these words. So first of all, let me assert my firm belief that the only thing we have to fear is fear itself. Nameless, unreasoning. Unjustified terror which paralyzes needed efforts to convert retreat into advance. Sometimes that fear of telling someone about Jesus Christ will paralyze us from telling them. We need to move beyond that. It will defeat us if we let it. We need to go to God for the boldness to do these things. Isaiah says this in Isaiah 35, verse 4. Say to those who are fearful hearted, be strong, do not fear. Behold, your God will come with vengeance, with recompense of God. He will come and save you. In Joshua chapter 10, Joshua is taking back the land that God promised to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob from the usurpers who possessed the land. After a couple of times when the Lord led Joshua and Israel to victory through the annihilation of the enemy, the Amorite kings of the other regions went and hid in a cave and they were found. Joshua calls for the cave to be open. So let's look at that real quick. Joshua chapter 10, 
verses 22 through 25. Then Joshua said, Open the mouth of the cave and bring out those five kings from the, to me from the cave. And they did so and brought out those five kings to him from the cave, the king of Jerusalem, the king of Hebron, the king of Jermuth, the king of Lachish, and the king of Eglon. And so it was, when they brought out those kings to Joshua, that Joshua called for the men of Israel and said to the captains of the men of war who went with him, Come near, put your feet on the necks of these kings. As they drew near and put their feet on their necks, then Joshua said to them, Do not be afraid, nor be dismayed. Be strong and of good courage, for thus the Lord will do to all your enemies against whom you fight. Joshua led his armies with this strength. He had no fear. He saw what the Lord God could do. Joshua was one of the men that were in Egypt who came back before they did their 40-year walk around the desert as punishment. He was one of the ones that went over there and said, Oh, yeah, we can take these guys. They're nothing. God goes before us. Now Joshua is leading the nation and telling them, God has already put his foot on their necks. He is taking care of it for you. All you have to do is step out in faith and do the rest. Knowing that God has given you strength and courage to do so. We need to let God deal with those who persecute us. In Isaiah, God reminds the people of Israel who they are and who he is. In Isaiah chapter 41 Verses 8 through 14. But you, Israel, are my servant, Jacob, whom I have chosen, the descendants of Abraham, my friend, you whom I've taken from the ends of the earth and called from its farthest regions, and said to you, You are my servant, I have chosen you and have not cast you away. Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you, yes, I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Behold, all those who were incensed against you shall be ashamed and disgraced. They shall be as nothing. And those who strive with you shall perish. You shall seek them and not find them, those who contended with you. Those who war against you shall be as nothing, as a non-existent thing. For I, the Lord your God, will will hold your right hand, saying to you, Fear not, I will help you. Fear not, you worm Jacob, you men of Israel. I will help you, says the Lord and your Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel. I looked up that word worm when he called Jacob Israel worm. Yeah, you worm Jacob. It just means insignificant, small. In other words, I go before you. And you, even as small as you are, will overcome and be prosperous. Now, this passage bookends the destruction of the enemies of Israel with the reminder to have no fear. It is a family legend in my family that the first person with my last name, the original spelling, S-A-N-S-C-R-A-I-N-T-E, was a missionary from France, born in 1696. Oddly enough, his name was Jean, Jean-Baptiste He came over to Quebec, New France, which is now Canada, as a missionary. He was going to give the word of the gospel, the word of God, to the Native Americans, 
because they need Jesus as well. So he walks into a Native American camp without any fear whatsoever to give them the gospel. I'm sure he was nervous. I'm sure he was scared. Whether he was or not, he did it. What he didn't know is that somebody had beat him by a hundred years and they were French-speaking Native Americans who already believed in Jesus Christ. So the original spelling of my last name, Sanskrit, is French, meaning without fear. He walked in there. Was he arrogant and knew that they would not kill him? Or did he know that whether he lived or died, God had him and that God had went before him? So now you know where this weird last name came from. If you are a believer, then God is on your side. You have nothing to fear. Paul tells us this in Philippians 1, verse 21, when he says this. For to me, to live is Christ, and to die is gain. This means that when we live here on earth, we are to live for Christ. And when we die, we are to join him. And the gain is to be in his presence for eternity. Paul was the first to tell you that he was a chief sinner among them all before coming to Christ. However, if you are not a believer, you have every right to be afraid. Because your path is chosen already. It can only change upon coming to know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. When you see what Paul states here, that he lives for Christ and has no fear of death... Because he will be with him in glory. We can understand and relate that regardless of what happens, God is in control of all of this. We understand this because of what is written in Psalm 119, verse 15. When he says this, I will meditate on your precepts and fix my eyes on your ways. In 1922, Helen Lemel wrote these words to the hymn titled, Turn Your Eyes Upon Jesus. And it goes like this. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face. And the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. We believe, when we as believers turn our eyes upon Jesus Christ, our fears will melt away. Does it always work? It depends on how much you focus on Christ. And not your own worries. See it doesn't mean the problem will automatically go away. It just means that. You still have to deal with them. And God will give you the boldness to do it. And the guidance to do it. In a way that glorifies him. Knowing this and having faith. Strength and courage of Joshua. We can do whatever the author of Hebrews states. In Hebrews 4. 16, when he says, let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Having the boldness to go before the throne of grace and to tell God that you cannot do it without him is a beautiful thing. It's not a surprise to him. He knows it's the truth. But do you act like it's the truth when you go to him? Or do you think that you can do it without him only to fail miserably? 
do not be afraid of God. Do not be afraid to go to God in prayer. He loves you and he wants to be there for you and with you. He has said it over and over again throughout scripture. He sent his son to pay for our sins so that we may receive his mercy and his grace through Christ Jesus. For those of you who are not believers, I have this for you. Paul is quoting Isaiah chapter 49 verse 8 when he says this in 2 Corinthians chapter 6 verse 2. For he says, in an acceptable time I have heard you, and in the day of salvation I have helped you. That's what Isaiah says. This is Paul. Behold, now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. Now is the day of salvation. We don't have an altar call here at Heights, but what we do have are elders and pastors that you can talk to at the end of service. They'll be down here in the front. And we have a congregation of people who love Jesus Christ, who want to tell you about him and tell you their testimony of how he saved them from their sins and how he continues to work in their lives. All you have to do is ask. We have gone through a lot of scripture today. Oddly enough, I ain't done. (laughs) But I hope you realize the significance of going through the Bible in five years, going through the entire Bible yourself, is so that you can see how scripture interprets scripture and how scripture clarifies scripture and how scripture defends scripture. Now we're going to Joshua 1.8. You thought I skipped it a while ago. I did. Now we're going to bring it back in. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate it on day and night, and you, that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. This is not prosperity gospel. In the context of this, Joshua will be prosperous because he is meditating on the word of God and he knows that God goes before him and he will follow God to the ends of the earth because he knows that's where God wants him to go. He has no fear in this. As we saw when he told his people to put their feet on the necks of the kings. This will prosper you in relationships when you read scripture. In your marriage, in raising children, developing character, and witnessing to others. When you go to witness to others, you know the word of the Lord when you study. We know in the end that Jesus wins this war. Scripture tells us this in Revelation chapter 22. Verses 3 and 4. He says this, And there shall be no more curse. Hallelujah. But the throne of God and the Lamb and of the Lamb shall be in it, and his servants shall serve him. They shall see his face, and his name shall be on their foreheads. There will be no more fear because Christ wins it all in the end. We should not be afraid. And we have this in Psalm 118, verse 6. 
where he says this, The Lord is on my side. I will not fear. What can man do to me? Turn your eyes to Jesus and fear not. Be strong and courageous. Do not be disheartened or dismayed. And remember that we have a God who is always with us. This is a small part of scripture that tells us not to be afraid. I could spend hours up here and not cover it all that's in scripture. We are told over and over again to not be afraid when we are doing the work of God. And it's all for his glory. If you want a good place to start, start with Psalm 23. Go ahead and stand as our elders make their way down to the front. Let us pray. Most gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you for your love and for your word and for giving us the knowledge that you are always with us, never leaving nor forsaking us because your great love for us Help us to remember that you are always with us whenever we are fearful or anxious or over something that we cannot control, which is pretty much everything. May you deal justly with the enemies of your people in a public way so that those who have not made a decision will know that you are real and awesome and magnificent. Be with us as we leave here and help us to remember that knowing your word can help us to remember to trust you and to come to you in all that we do. In the name of Lord Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. I'll leave you with this from Revelation twenty-two twenty-one. Y'all thought I was done. <laughs> the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen.